Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. We've got a special bonus episode this week, two live performances from our recent show at the Listen Up Festival in Portland, Oregon. First up, Katie Wynn. She's a Portland-based stand-up comic. She's written for The New Yorker. She's performed at comedy festivals around the country, including Bridgetown and SF Sketchfest. She's also brilliantly funny. Let's go to the stage and hear Katie Wynn. Hello, how are you all? Good, that's important to me. Uh, my day job, I work with kids, uh, and I think a lot about the advice that we give to kids, you know, and how most of it's way easier said than done, right? Like, for example, if a kid's being made fun of, all we say is, you know what? You just say, you just say, I am rubber and you are glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. In my experience, it's been a lot more like, I am Tupperware and you are tomato sauce. <laughs> Whatever you say becomes a part of me and ruins me forever. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I have this one friend who's really good at everything. Everybody has a one friend who's really good at like a million things, right? And he's really smart and he's really funny. He's really kind. Uh, But one thing he's really good at that I really admire uh, is that he's really good at trolling people. He's like really good at it. He uses it for good. Um, and so, so beautiful. He'll, something he likes to do, for example, is uh, he likes to travel. He'll leave Portland. And he'll go to like a bigger, more metropolitan, more diverse city, and then he'll go on Facebook and post about how the food there is better than the food here, right? Because like a no-no, right? Because this is because it's like a food city, right? Because we're all like foodies, right? Because like foodies are people who like food that like tastes good, <laughs> um, and that's us. <laughs> And they'll go to like, and it's just ridiculous how incensed and indignant and upset people will get. It'll be like hundreds of comments deep, and people will be like, he'll go to LA or something, he'll be like, wow, there's so much food here that we don't have in Portland. And people are like, what, f- you? All right? <laughs> they got it there, we got it here. Anything they got, we got, we got it here. LA, whatever. He'll go to like New York. He'll be like, there's so much food here that I've never even heard of. And people are like, what? No way. New York? No way. Portland is food city, baby. Uh, <laughs> They got in New York, we got it here. You want diverse food? We got diverse food. We got diverse food. We got a, we got a, we got a white guy that went to Thailand. Right? Right? We got two white ladies who went to Mexico. Right? We have diverse food. We have a diverse array of study abroad inspired cuisine. That's what we do. That's our specialty. So we're gonna food city. We're all foodies. Foodies. You gotta say it with like a closed mouth, right? Foodies. That's how you know they're cultured. With an open mouth, you know they're just like Philistines, right? Because it's like foodies, and it just doesn't sound as good. So foodies. Foodies, you gotta keep it tight. Uh, foodies. That's how you know. That's how you know. I, uh, um, <laughs> uh, something you can tell about me by looking at me is the fact that I'm a woman of color, that kind of thing you can't really hide. Uh, and something that happens when you are very visibly a member of some kind of minority group or something, is that people who are not members of that group like to point out to you that you're a member of that group, right? And they like to explain to you what that means, right? Like, for example, if I get a job, some people have absolutely no problem walking up to me and saying something like, oh, so you were a diversity hire. Which is a really messed up thing to say, right? And you want to defend yourself and say, I'm here on my merit and my accomplishment. I deserve to be here like anybody else. But... 
the very nature of diversity hires is such that sometimes you might not really know why they hired you. So this really like awful kind of comment that fills you with self-doubt at the same time. I've been trying to figure out a way to respond to that kind of comment that just, in a way that just shuts down the conversation. I think I've been figured out. Uh, so the next time somebody tells me I was a diversity hire, I can just respond and I can be like, oh, a diversity hire. A diversity No, 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 no. I was not a diversity hire. No, 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 no. I was an adversity hire. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't hired to bring an underrepresented perspective to the table. Uh, I was hired to start making things real difficult for everybody around here. Okay. It's an adversity hire. It's a new HR initiative. I'm here to build character. Yours. <laughs> so I'm here. So I ended up here. I, uh, something I've seen people talk a lot about lately in recent years. Um, is uh, imposter syndrome. And if you're not familiar with imposter syndrome, it's basically when you feel like you don't deserve the things you have or you shouldn't have the responsibilities you've been given, you're kind of a fraud, people are going to find out at any moment. Uh, clap your hands if you've ever felt any degree of imposter syndrome throughout your entire life. Yeah, right? I, I would say it's a fairly universal experience, right? I've experienced it on a lot of different occasions to different degrees, you know, like, uh, like at work, in relationships, writing enjoyment. <laughs> um, but I would say, though, that I never experienced imposter syndrome so strongly. I never feel it so intensely uh, as when I am trying to uh, open something that is childproof. <laughs> like, do you get this? Like, you see something that's childproof, you're like, I got this. Not a child. Been a while. <laughs> and you start trying to open it, you realize immediately you can't open this. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you start sweating a little bit. Because, like, what if people notice you can't open this thing? Because that'd be weird, right? Because maybe it's childproof and it's candy proof. No, it's childproof. You start trying harder, right? Because you can't give up because that would be childish. You start looking around. Like, maybe people are going to notice you can't open this thing. You think, maybe use my palm. Because surely my palm's an adult-sized palm. And even the fingers have ever grown. And you're pushing with all your might. You're realizing maybe your might might not be enough. And people are going to realize at any moment that you're actually still a baby. And that's why you can't open this thing. Do you guys get that? Do you guys get that? <laughs> little weed jar is really hard to open. I want to say something, and this may alienate some people in the audience, um, and I'm not sorry, uh, but I do not like it uh, when people use the term fur babies. I, I don't like it. Fur babies. Because that term, it sounds cute, right? But like, if you think about it, which I do, because I'm intellectual, uh, like the term fur babies to me implies that to these people, the only difference between like a human baby and like a dog or a cat is the fur, right? And I think they think there's more to it than that. I'm pretty sure. I know that they don't think it's that simple, right? Because I know for a fact from experience that people absolutely hate it when you feed dog food to their babies. <laughs> hate it. The fur. It's not the fur. Clearly, the diet is also a factor as well. It's a lot of protein. Babies need protein for their shiny coats. <laughs> Soft as a baby's bottom, shiny as a baby's coat. You know that old adage? Um, it's a cultural thing. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I work with kids. I work with teenagers specifically, and I really like working with teenagers at this really kind of magical stage in life. They're finally starting to like learn about and explore the world around them and how everything works, stuff like politics and religion and sex and that kind of thing. Uh, they're still so young. They just lack the necessary life experience to really understand like how nuanced and complicated and related everything is, right? So they've gotten to this point where they think, like, finally, they've got it all figured out, and they still have no idea whatsoever 
Uh, and this was really beautifully evidenced in class one day. I was talking to the students, and I'm a Spanish teacher. And it came up the fact that nobody ever assumes that I speak Spanish because of how I look and racism. Uh, <laughs> those two reasons. And they asked me, and they're like, has anybody ever talked about you in Spanish around you and assumed you didn't know what they were saying? And I was like, yeah, that's happened a handful of times. And they got super excited. They're like, what is it? What is it? Um, and it wasn't, a, I wasn't going to quote verbatim, so I just said, you know, just some of the crude stuff that some men like to say about women. And at this point, this 14-year-old boy, who had not been paying attention at all before that moment, all of a sudden his little ears kind of like prick up, and he looks up, and he gets this grin of like recognition on his face, he's like, I know this one. <laughs> and he says out loud very confidently to the entire class, he goes, ah, Talking about wieners, right? <laughs> right? Right? Which was adorable. <laughs> it was so cute. It was the cutest thing. Because <laughs> he, he understood enough about that situation to understand that, like, typically in the kind of situation, we objectify people, right? We're talking about people's bodies. We focus on the reproductive organs. I can do that much. Um, he just didn't know that, like, typically in that kind of situation, you're not, like, Talking about your own stuff, right? Right? And I'm just trying to imagine what this 14-year-old boy thinks grown men say about their wieners. <laughs> and when they're talking about a woman, and like the only thing, like the only thing I can think of is like, maybe like two dudes are on a sidewalk, right? And like a woman walks by, you know? And they both notice her, you know? They start elbowing each other. At one point, one of them says to the other, he goes, huh. did, uh, <laughs> did your wiener move? <laughs> so my wiener totally moved. <laughs> Give me a five. Because <laughs> that's how men talk, right? I see you. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I got these new glasses last year, uh, not the ones I'm wearing. <laughs> um, I got these new glasses last year, and at one point in the transaction, the lady was going over these over all these optional features I could have gotten. Uh, and at one point, she offered me anti-glare lenses, and I was like, "Oh, oh, 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 no, 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 no! I need to be able to glare." No, thank you. You have been so wonderful. I'm Katie Wynn. Thank you so much. Katie Wynn, live at the Listen Up Festival in Portland, Oregon. If you live in Portland, you can see her every single week at Ford Food and Drink. She hosts a night there called Earthquake Hurricane. Now, Roseblood. Roseblood is a band fronted by Kathy Foster. Kathy has also played in the Thermals and All Girl Summer Fun Band. It's her first formal solo project, though. She's a gifted songwriter. So... Here to make the world premiere of their new song, Running Wild, is Roseblood.
Thank you so much. Roseblood performing their song, Running Wild. Let's hear one more from the band. This one is called Black Veil. Portland's own Roseblood, performing the songs Black Veil and Running Wild, live at the Listen Up Festival. Roseblood is working on their debut album right now. You can find out about that and find their show dates at the website 
rosebloodband.com. Our thanks to Roseblood, Kathy Foster, Maggie Vale, Ellie Swope, and Janet Weiss, as well as to our brilliant comic, Katie Wynn, for joining us on stage at Listen Up in Portland. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. 